better. Hi. Hey, there we go. Sorry. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You know, it's exciting. It was really cool. We caught up. Was it last week? Was it yes. this week or last week? Last week. Yeah. Um, the 13th. Yeah, last week. Yeah. So you took a break from social media for a while. So <laughs> you didn't see the messages that I had sent and then you saw them. And it's actually perfect timing because a lot's happened. It's been quite a busy few periods, crazy start of the year. So yeah, this is fitting. And we locked this down straight away. So yeah, yeah. I think you sent me the message in February and I only replied last week. <laughs> Sounds like something I would do. Don't worry. Like I'm just, I'm shocking. I've got messages from December. I think that I still haven't op opened up. So it's all good. Actually, wait, before you get no, how, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell a story that I, I can't remember the origins of, but I'm pretty sure it's self-explanatory. I've been calling it Tipex for the past however number of years. It's been, what, since 2001, 2002 that I first met you, somewhere around there? Yeah, physics tuition. Yeah, we, we were not the, the smartest physics people, so we had to go to the extra classes. There was a, a thing about Tipex. What was the Tipex thing about? Because I still call you that, but I can't exactly remember why. I'm assuming because you use a lot of Tipex. And, and you had a fantastic arsenal of stationery. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, let's be fair to the fact that we needed extra classes, but so did like 32 other people that also attended. Yeah, tuition, yes, tuition, yes, right? yes. And, it wasn't just us. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, this particular physics tutor was, was pretty, pretty badass. And so we the liked best. It. Yes. I always had hair envy. And obviously now I have even more hair envy. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if, uh, yeah. So, so basically <laughs> I, I, I sat, I sat uh, opposite you because of the, the way they had structured the, the rooms. We didn't face the teacher, right? We faced each other in groups of four for collaboration. Mm. And so you sat opposite me and then you had a, a badass pencil case. And every time you opened it up, you just had like stationary <laughs> footage. <laughs> But, but I mean, your particular tipex was good because it was the, the new wave of, of, of technology of using a, a pen structure. Oh, oh, yes. Right? So, so whereas I had really nice colored pens, you had very good tipex. I, I had the futuristic tipex, yeah. Yeah, and then you changed my name to Picasso at one point because yes. I started just painting my books with tipex. <laughs> because of the mistakes oh I used to make. Oh my yes. God, that is hilarious. Yes, I remember the Picasso thing. I referred to you as Picasso and Tipex in the message I sent you. Yeah, because yeah, it, it had been a long time. I thought you actually ghosted me, to be honest. I was like, Pushal, she ditched me, you know, she moved away and ghosted me. And, um, <laughs> no, that's, that's totally not the truth. And, and to be fair, um, subsequent to that, I've, I've reactivated some of my social media accounts. The only reason that I, I deactivated it was for, well, I mean, social media is what it is, right? It, need it a has cleansing. Its yeah, but mine has been like the whole lockdown period plus some. So I just, uh, th there are definitely people that, have my Danish number and so that group of people then will just whatsapp me or send me a telegram or a signal or a smoke signal and I'll just see yes and so it, it really wasn't a ghosting it was just that I and February was a very bad time I had 
the second wave of like a, a neck injury emerge and I was just on painkillers. So definitely I would have not been a good human. Now in April with it being spring uh, here in the North, it's much better to have a conversation and everyone's happy here. So yeah. I'm sure that's good. Yeah. I'm, you were saying how crazy the winters are there and being a South African and from our lovely tropical climates. I mean, it's like, it's autumn now going into winter and right now it's literally clear blue skies. It's actually haven't, I haven't seen a much better day. There's a little nip in the air, but I'm sure it's nothing compared to the brutality of the Danish winters, the Scandinavian winters in general. Oh yeah. Yeah, we, we can talk about that for sure. <laughs> I'm not a big fan and I don't think lots of people that move to the North really realize how bad it is. But yeah, so, so that's how I got my nickname off Topex, which I quite like and will own. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now because it's, it's kind of like a relic name because Topex isn't really a thing anymore. I'm sure that no, it still exists, but it's not no. as important as it used to be back then. No, now I can thank, uh, I think his name is Lawrence Tesla from MIT Lab, who discovered and coded copy-paste. Uh, yes. So, right, C, control C, control V. <laughs> so, so now he's my new, uh, my new best friend. So. And how, yeah, especially because I'm sure people don't really write a lot. No. I do. I, I use pen and paper a lot. I still... I still struggle doing the notes thing on my phone where I'm trying to remember my whole life through my phone. So I actually find that I still write and list work. And then I journal every now and then because I figured it's a good way to, to pass something down. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Should something ever happen to Gratitude me? Journal. My secret. Got to have those secrets. I got one with a little lock and key as well. So I'll leave that behind for my wife. Should something happen one day and then she can read about my life stories. So you don't post it on Facebook then? No, you no, no. Hard copy it. Yeah, I hard copy. This, it's weird. I go through phases with social media and because I work in that industry, it's, I try to draw the line sometimes because it gets very tough because sometimes I will actually feel like I should have said something less or I should not have said so much on Facebook or on Instagram, or whatever, or Twitter. So I generally like try now stick to one platform. Um, Facebook comes in handy when you're looking for recommendations and you're looking to just ask for information. Um, but I try to stick to Instagram. It's, uh, Twitter scares me because yes, you could go so wrong so quickly. <laughs> so I'm just, I just try not to stay active. Instagram is just a happy place. It's, it's like, yeah. I, and I enjoy photography, so I guess I try to stick there. And then, uh, yeah. And if I do say something random in my stories, at least then I can delete it or that it disappears if I do forget to delete it. So this morning, my wife, when we woke up, she's like, did you see what you put on your Instagram stories? And I was like, oh my God, why didn't you delete it straight away if you knew? Because I, t I take sleeping pills. So I, I take Ambien every now and then. And if you've been an ambient, like you could literally live a whole life in a night and not remember a single thing. So it's actually quite scary. I remember one morning I woke up and I was standing on the wall of my third floor balcony, just singing. And what? I was like, what? Yeah, but it's crazy. I mean, I, I mean to be fair, we've, we've, even though we haven't had a lot of contact when I was in South Africa, I mean, there were times that I, I came by, I saw you. Uh, yeah. We, have we, we went one, through phases. Really there, were, yeah. there were a few yeah. phases, yeah. And so I always know that, you know, you did have a dark, um, I'm not going to say dark 
in that way, but like you do have uh, spaces in your life where it, it's tough, it's yeah. hard and it's tough. Yeah. And so, okay, so, so, so back to your Instagram story. So did she delete it? And, and, um, and props for saying that she has your access codes, your passwords, to your oh Instagram no, she, she has everything. <laughs> she has access to everything. There's nothing, I give her access to everything. Like, Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, it's, it's nothing, yeah. I don't have nothing to hide it. Though. I think we also have that relationship, even if I did something wrong. I mean, there's been times where I'm chatting to someone and it's just a friendly conversation between a friend that I've known for a long time. So we have a certain way of communicating and she would be like I didn't really like the way you guys were speaking it kind of sounded flirty and I was like oh sorry I didn't realize that you know because it's just how we've always communicated so and I was like okay cool I'll check myself so no we're very cool with that very open with that and actually I hadn't posted anything um she was just lying so she does prank a lot yeah, it's just she knows I freak out because I'm just so careful with what I post sometimes. Um, I did post up a thing about Boyzone. I was listening to Boyzone last night while I was on my sleeping pole. So that, that came as quite a surprise. <laughs> so, so that was, I think I was having a boy have band you, moment. <laughs> have you ever just tried hemp tea before you go to bed? Dude, I've tried everything. Like, I, I don't use my sleeping pills as often as I used to. I, I think I started on them when I went on antidepressants in 2006, 2007. And one of the side effects was insomnia. So they prescribed Zolpidem or Ambien to me. And I used them for about eight years or so. And then I decided I need to get off them because I've become so dependent on them. Like it gets to a point where you're just, it doesn't work as well. And then you have one and then you have two and then eventually having three and then you're having three with a glass of wine just to try and knock yourself out. Um, so I completely went off them for a while. And then around the start of lockdown, I started finding I was struggling to sleep. So I was going like a day or two without sleeping. And then you're trying to work and then you're trying to deal with pandemic life, trying to deal with the change of everything. Um, so I went back on them. And this week I've had like just a stressful week. There's a lot of changes happening personally, um, with like jobs and, and moving. So I just found ah, this week I've so been struggling to sleep. So I, yeah. Um, so yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So there's been a lot of that, a lot of change, a lot of packing up. And then you realize how much crap you've, you know, built up over the years. Yeah. I'm so now we're like packing up. So I pop some pills to get a good night's rest, especially for this, because the last thing you want to do is be all groggy and tired when you're trying to have a, a very cool conversation with someone. But yeah, moving, getting married and divorce, probably the three most stressful things you'll deal with in life. Yeah. Outside of death, I guess. But, I was about to say yeah. death, right? It's been yeah. a dark, dark <laughs> year and a, and a bit. Yeah, I know. I think death's in its own category. So for people who are yeah. alive, it's those three things. <laughs> yeah. And you, but tell me about you, man. Like this is, this is about you. And you can ask me questions too. Like, you know, it's pretty, that, that's sure. what it's about. So I'm sure you'll have, you know, a lot about me a lot about those dark periods um, in my life. Somewhat, um, yeah, maybe not too much, but I think, um, uh, so I must admit last week when you sent me the, the message to like, hey, uh, by the way, do you want to be on a podcast? I was like, uh, say what now? 
<laughs> like, <laughs> why? <laughs> uh, but by the way, I did actually think a podcast is cool. So, um, uh, yeah, so about myself. Oof. So you moved. So basically, you were in South Africa, grew up in Durban. Uh, we actually grew up up the road-ish from each other. Yeah. Um, went to high school, different high schools. Obviously, I went to a boys' school. And then you moved to Joburg at some point. And that's yes. where we started reconnecting. I remember we went for lunch the one day to Crystal Mall. I met with you and a friend of yours. And then we kind of like chatted a few times. I think you came to some of my birthday parties. We hung out together. And then I can't, I just remember you having a farewell, which I couldn't attend. I can't remember. It was for work. I'm not, I think you were moving yes. because of work. Yeah. Yes. So what do you do? Yes. Let's start there. Because I, okay. I don't know what you do exactly. I just know that it's way above my intellectual level. That's all. No, I that's not true at all. <laughs> um, okay, so in, in 2017, I had the pleasure of getting a, a really cool opportunity to move to, to Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, and so prior to that, I was working, for, uh, I was working as a consultant. That, and, and through that, I uh, got a job with a South African-based uh, ERP implementation partner. So we already start with acronyms, but yes. basically what it means is that I, I, work, I work with a, a Microsoft uh, solution, uh, with an ISV that plugs into Microsoft Dynamics. And um, so we did an implementation that was, was based in New York and um, there was another company that was a part of the project. Um, and as a spin out of that, they formed a company and there was just this opportunity to join this new company that was, was starting once this project was complete. And so myself, together with uh, three other South Africans, uh, accepted this opportunity. And so we moved uh, in October, more or less. And so that was when I had my farewell party, yes, that you couldn't attend. Yes. Um, and so I think very quickly, I'm the easiest way to describe what I do is I'm a consultant and I work with a Danish, a Danish um, property management solution. So I work within real estate and it's, a, it's quite a nice uh, field to work in. Mm. Uh, so if you think about how businesses run, there's, there's normally technology, infrastructure, and um, I'm, I'm within that space. Just very high level, not wanting to get into the, the details of it. But what's really cool about it is that... Um, in a technologically, um, you know, structured society, I could have been based in South Africa. I could have potentially worked there, but the opportunity to relocate was what was discussed, and so I took it, and so I moved to Copenhagen. Um, and rightfully so. <laughs> Who wouldn't and, take the opportunity? Sorry. Yeah, I had just bought my house. Uh, I just you know, done minor renovations uh, and stuff like that. And then I, I accepted the offer. Um, and so now, yeah, so now that's, that's where I live. Uh, and so I guess listening to your podcast, I can see this thread being woven about your absolute adoration for Scandinavian culture. Uh, and, and so maybe we can, you know, let's talk about me. Let's, let's really talk about Scandinavia and Nordics and talk about what I've learned, um, mm. things like that, versus maybe maybe what I do day to day. Before um, we get there, though, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. the move, um, you know, change, the decision to change, 
it, it, it also came at a tricky time in your life, if I remember, right? You, there was a whole lot of stuff going on and you needed a change, if I remember correctly. Like, I think, I think I knew a change was going to happen. So, mm. um, so basically I bought, I bought the house and then my dad came over because being Indian, the one thing you have to do is a prayer, right? To, yes, to kind of, of course, of course. bless and do a cleansing. Right. So, so he does that. And then he, uh, he came over, he did that. And then he's like, you know, uh, you have to put, um, how do I, how do I say it so that if you're international, you kind of understand it, but uh, we have this place where you have to light a lamp, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have to light the lamp, then you normally leave like a, a, a one rand or a two rand next to it to symbolize prosperity. And so my dad says, okay, but you have to go and get something from your wallet and just put, put a coin there so that you have this, um, this, this, this good energy of prosperity and abundance. Mm. And so what I did was I went and I got this one single, these two euros, these two euro coins that I have. Mm. And I placed it there and I was like, I'm, I know that I've just bought this house and I know it's a big deal, but I'm going to move to Europe somewhere. I don't know where, but I'm going to do it. And I, I put it there and, and, and I walked away from it and I didn't think about it again until six months later when everything panned out. So I knew that I was going to leave to explore, not yeah. to leave, to leave, but to go and expand a worldview because mm. I'd been to Europe before. Yeah, you're, I'd, you're quite I'd a traveler. Traveled a You've traveled yeah. a lot. You, that was the one thing that I always noticed was that you did travel a lot. And I was always like, wow, where's she going to be next? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I knew I was going to be there and, and, and the universe just aligned and I just had this amazing connection to, to, of people, place and things and it just worked out. And so I did. And um, so I moved and I didn't do what you did. I didn't pack up everything and sell everything and, and just, you know, uh, I, 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 still, I still have a connection to South Africa in a way. Um, mm. Even some of my personal belongings are still there because it just wasn't <laughs> possible to, to bring them Check over. Yeah. So every time I've come back, I've brought like one or two items um, back with me, which is a bit ridiculous. But then I look at these items down, I'm like, you know, there's no space for them. Or, you know, now I have iTunes. Why do I need uh, 5 million CDs? You know, those types of questions. Literally. <laughs> Literally, uh, that's the issue I've been having is that I collect CDs and it got to a point where Alice was just like, dude, seriously, no one keeps CDs. I'm like, but it's just, it's a collection of things. So I got rid of the covers, but I kept the inner art of the, yeah. the CD covers. And I got those pouches that you slip all your CDs in. So I have that, but I get it. Those little yes. things that, you know what we should do actually, we should bury some of these things. I've always wanted to do this, like just walk around random places and just bury all these items. Yeah, geocaching, but also one day when we're all gone in a hundred years from now, the civilizations that are, exist will be digging up things and be like, whoa, what is this? You know, what is this round thing that's all shiny and silver on the one side and it's got this weird name. Who's Eminem? You know, what is this Eminem thing? You know, who is this person? And I always have this thing of just bearing these little treasures because I feel like one day someone will find it. Maybe that's just me because I have this fascination with with like war and finding bunkers. Like I just want to find war bunkers. Like I watch <laughs> these guys who go 
in search of Soviet bunkers and they find these amazing bunkers and there's still equipment in there and there's like all these yeah. drawings of strategy. So I always think maybe that's what you should do. Just bury some of the stuff in Denmark. That'll be pretty cool. From South Africa. I wonder if Danes will just think that I'm littering and polluting their beautiful land. Not, I'm not sure. I know, I know what you mean. Actually, maybe something wooden. Maybe something wooden, wooden in like some kind of Danish design. Danish box. designed box that is biodegradable. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in theory, it sounds good. I, I think most most people here live quite minimal lives. So if they had to dig something up and find it, I, I wonder what they really would think. Um, unless, of course, we fast forward many, many years. Um, yeah, we could hit, hit the conspiracy theories and say, okay, aliens show up. But uh, yeah, I think I we want actually the aliens had this. To show up. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually had this conversation with uh, with Teddy the other day, and I was like, you know, so so there's some, you know, humans have shot this thing into space, and and so all of these artifacts and music and and all of these things that so, so it was a conversation about how how would aliens even be able to understand what the messages we we send, and I think I think language and linguistics is is an interesting thing, especially since I've moved. Um, mm just how to find common ground, um, understanding each other culturally. Like even something like my keyboard is, is different, right? Which you, you wouldn't expect because there's, there's Danish characters. Yeah, yeah. So there's still a QWERTY layout, but then your at sign is different or you, you're, you have this ability to, to flip between Danish, English, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, keyboards. But so, so the, the world's different even right now and it's um yeah it's, it's a cool space yeah and you've been there what like three years now three almost four years yeah so I've, I've learned a lot um so i think i think it's interesting as well so like maybe for those of you who don't know about scandinavia or maybe the nordic countries um so culturally i think it's fine to say scandic or Scandinavia, but um, politically and geographically, you would only say Scandinavia for Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Norway. And, the Faroe, and the Faroe, the Faroe Islands, Islands, I think. Yeah. Um, but if you want to say Nordic, then you also include uh, Iceland. Iceland and Finland. Yeah. Uh, and then you would say, okay, um, geographically and politically, Iceland's independent. But it's a territory of Denmark, so and and so so that's also interesting. Linguistically, the languages are so similar yet so different, um, but they all have like roots in, in Germanic context. Yeah, yeah. So because you've learned like Afrikaans in school, it's not completely uh, like far out it's, that we would look at it. Yeah, that there are yeah, like completely foreign. Like, and I noticed that when because of my fascination with Norway and Iceland in particular. Um, and then obviously I had a podcast previously with two Norwegian podcasters. And yes. so around that time I was like, and I still am actually like, I listen to a lot of like Nordic music. I listened to, I, I started looking into the language to try and learn Norwegian. Um, so just like, just to learn basic things and just to kind of figure out because 
it's difficult apparently but not as difficult as other like it's it's one of the the easier um languages to learn but just because for us we have the uh, the german kind of root within our Afrikaans. So it's Dutch and German rooted, you've got Afrikaans type of situation. So when I did check it out, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised. And I did pick up like a few things that I could understand just based on our knowledge of Afrikaans. Yeah, I think, I think the Danish language is particularly interesting because they have the Danish D, which is very, um, it's like lazy, it's, it's, it sounds more like an, an L. And I think um, in, in terms of the language, because they have concepts that we don't have a direct translation to in, mm. in English, the way, they, <laughs> the way they experience things is a little bit different or it comes across. So like they have the, the con concepts of hygge. Have you heard of that already? Hygge. Yeah, hygge. Mm. Um, so hygge so is really a part of Danish DNA. It's down to like how they, they interact and how they experience. And um, hygge is like the verb or the noun and hygge is the adjective. So if you, if you are trying to create something, you're trying to create a, a hygge environment. Or if you step in and you say, oh, um, this, this cup of coffee and this chat has been very hoogly, oh, right? Okay. And, and so, so what it relates to is an environment or a feeling of coziness. Uh, it's like a state of mind. And I think that's been really interesting to explore during this last year where you're in lockdown and, and, and all you have is yourself, or maybe like if you're with um, your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you know your family, then it's it's this just the, these human beings, maybe some Netflix and just the opportunity to create moments if that was even possible, right? So so mm -hmm. it was the opportunity to come into a space and say, um, how how can we be mindful? How can we just relax? How can we just keep things simple? Um, and, and it's, it's not about necessarily money. So you, you don't have to go out and spend money to have a good time. You can just be at home with a, a good book. And, and for Danish culture, that is considered hugly. Um, or I love you that. Be, yeah. And, and they don't socialize. Or you hear that they don't socialize with like, 20 or 30 friends in, in one go, necessarily that a hygge gathering would be like four or five intimate friends of just good conversation uh, around the table with like nice lighting. So, so Danish design and nice lighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's, that's It's interesting. interesting because I, I actually do remember speaking to Alette and Inc when I chatted to them and they said, a lot of the culture, Scandinavian culture, is not centered around like superficial things. It's not centered around superficial conversation. So mm -hmm. they may come across as unfriendly because, you know, South Africans, we walk on the streets and we're like, hi ah, to everyone, even if you don't know them. You know, that's just the nature of it. Um, but that's not like there. It's like if we're going to stop and talk, we're going to have a real conversation and we're actually going to. So what's happening in your life? So that it's, it's almost like 
creating a state of like everything they do and every interaction is not just it's not just for the sake of it to pass time it's actually to gain something to gain either a connection to build a relationship and you walk away feeling different so if you walk away feeling good so creating like the space of like safety and creating just like a state of nirvana through the most basic things in life so it's not even about material or money it's literally about let's just good vibes good energy it's literally like the epitome of good vibes yeah and i think i have an exact example where that that is the exact experience i had because i i have one very good danish friend and his wife had to go go out with friends and and so he said okay let's go get a coffee somewhere right mm. and so we went to this 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 really nice food market in uh in Copenhagen and we sat down and as we sat down s- someone that i know just walked past and i was like hi how are you and i just went off in like like 500 million words and he just like <laughs> looked at me afterwards and he goes you know as as a dane we would just never do that <laughs> and and it was just so interesting to observe this behavior because you know we would just be like if we saw someone on the street we would be like hello and he, the other person would be like hello and then you know we would walk on our separate ways but, but not you you had so many words to say <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious <laughs> and, and so i think i think when when you have something that feels so natural and so right to you and then have someone else call out that behavior like Wow, what just happened there? <laughs> Am I a freak? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 call it out and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense and it's just trying to understand each person's like also it's probably just, you know, very small small space. Lots of people know each other in the community. So yeah. <laughs> they don't need to have so many words. I'm not sure. Yeah, or the words just need to mean something like, you yeah. know, I don't want to know how Oh, how's your day? Oh, I'm fine. It's like, oh, I heard your daughter has been ill. How is she doing? It's like there's a deeper connection and I think that's also like a result of having such a great work-life balance. I mean, people work hard everywhere, but when like I was speaking to them and telling them the days where I'm working 18 to 20 hours a day and then I sleep for 2 or 3 hours and I'm up again working and the, it was like completely they they didn't believe me and it was just so foreign to them so i think it's it's also that like we're always on the move here like south africa especially joburg you're like you're on the move you see someone how's it how are you how are the kids how's work how's your day everything's cool all right cool tell sally i said hi and you're on your way you know what i mean like that's how it is and then sometimes you stop and you want to chat longer but you can see the other person's like I got to go like there's a meeting I just ran here quickly to get a sandwich during my lunch break so I think it's it's also like it's really it's nice to have that environment I would rather have the environment you're in where you can build these strong relationships and actually you know and the, and then you you know where you stand I mean if it's not like you're investing okay I made a new friend I'm investing 3 months and then after 3 months like true colors start to show it's kind of like off the bat this is the person i am and you kind of decide whether this is the person you want to spend more time with so you're not like you know in that period where oh i just spent six months investing in this friendship and who is this new person because now you're comfortable so you kind of 
I think it's it's really good because you form stronger bonds and it's like literally it becomes like family, which is really great for people coming like you who have moved to a whole new everything. Like there's nothing familiar yeah. when you got there. <laughs> there was nothing familiar at all, completely from the weather, from the people, from the language, from the culture, from the food, like everything was different. And it makes it harder, I guess, to make friends and build these relationships. But once you do, you know yeah. you're good for life. So, so I think when you, when you do uh, investigate more about Scandinavian culture, what you understand is that um, maybe, maybe particularly Denmark, because I, I live here, is that it, they, they are um, known to, to just be, you know, or, or you'll hear that they're a bit closed off, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's harder to penetrate those social circles. Um, and so I think what I can say to that is I have one or two strong, good relationships, connections with, with you know, Danish people who I now call my friends, yeah. uh, that, that we now have like barbecues or brides together. Um, but it, it, it's four years later and I can only say I have about, I have my work colleagues, of course, you know, and we are, we are social as best to ability during COVID times. Um, but I, I think maybe it's also, if I, if I lived in Johannesburg and if I already graduated, uh, had, had my work colleagues, had, had my life, then why would I ever want to introduce, ex- you could ask yourself, why would I ever want to introduce new people into South Africa that are expats into my social circles. Mm. And then you could say, okay, but normally South Africans are very inviting and we, we just include everybody because it's our nature, right? Yes. But, but I think culturally it's a little bit different here. Um, you, you start with the jar empty and you really have to build trust, um, uh, build um, a relationship and then you once once you're in and you've formed those bonds then that's it you're like buddies for life <laughs> it's yeah. like you know you, you go to the house uh babies are being born you get invited to all sorts of events and and things like that so so it's been a little bit difficult i think I, i've made more expat social circles through um because when i moved here i really didn't have a social structure outside of work yeah and so it was uh, i used uh, yes, uh, Facebook. So all I did was I typed into Google, how do I make friends? And then <laughs> let it run the search, run the query. And I was like, write Facebook. I've told you my need. And then I walked away, right? So, so I was like, I'm going to let the algorithms do the work. I'm not going to lift a finger. <laughs> and so, so truth be told, um, I was scrolling through through. I, either Facebook or either Instagram, and it was like a, an intonations advert. And intonations is basically just a group of expats from anywhere around the world that you can join. And then you join activities that resonate with you. And then you go to these events and you can either like go for hikes, go, go for coffee, go for board games night, uh, theater, whatever you want. And then you, you meet those types of people. And, and, and from there, you form your bonds of people that you know you filter in filter out yeah and then you're like okay this is my vibe this is my tribe and, and I so like that this is my vibe this is my tribe I love that <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> but, but that's that. what I did 
yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's that's, and that's a thing. And I love that you use the algorithm in your favor. We do that for <laughs> movies um, when that we want on Netflix. We're like, we'll just say it out. Like, can you please put this movie on Netflix? And it's actually it's it's scary because there are a few times where oh look, this movie is now on Netflix. I'm not saying that we have the power to decide what's on Netflix. Confirmation but, bias. Uh, yes. Maybe a lot of people are also saying it because it's it was very random that this Disturbia, we were, it's okay. about Disturbia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were like, we just started talking about it a lot. Like, oh, we need to watch, we need to watch. And then literally two weeks later, we put on the TV and we're like, oh my God. This is insane, but yeah, but yeah. Don't enough about that. Please continue. I it just <laughs> it just rung that little bell in my head. You know what? Uh, yeah, we we know about the algorithms, right? We know what we know, limited or vast as we think we do. So I just used that in my favor to say, go find me friends, and and it worked really well. So now when I travel, uh, when I used to travel, and if I needed, if, if I found myself there and without any friends because it's happened maybe for work that I have to go for like three weeks uh, yeah. or two weeks or something, right? And you, it's just not possible to, to be back home. So then I just link up through, through Intonations, do an event on a Friday if I have to spend the weekend there and then, you know, um, see, see where it takes me. And, and that's probably a little bit more transitory, but I think from there, when you, when you move into a new country, I now think of it as like, what's the tools I need to get me from point A to point B in any scenario, be it navigating the transport system yeah. or the um, any type of legal tax oriented systems or just making friends, uh, finding accommodation, because that's really difficult yeah. when, you, when you move to anywhere in the world, but it's also a particularly interesting set of challenges when you move to, to, to Scandinavia, be it Sweden or Denmark, or mm, it's, mm. It's, it's a different ball game completely. Because it's money. Um, you, need, you, need to, you need to have a certain base of money. You need, they need to see that this person is going to be able to sustain themselves here, you know, and not just try and bum off for a few months and then not pay. Because the, the countries are very good with that, with enforcing that, you know, they keep the economy stable because of that and you know yeah uh, i think rental wise money wise you'd have to have anything between three to six months rental as deposit which is different from south africa where you only need to to outlay one month of one deposit. Month. Yeah. yeah and and then you have to factor in exchange rate so yes. so the rental can become quite quite interesting there so that means that there's opportunities to do rentals where you co-op and you you come together for friends rent rent a place or you rent a room and in, in a house that's with a danish family um and 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 those are all viable solutions right when moving to a new country um giving up your car so public transport works really well here who needs a car yeah now I would say that when I moved here, my, my mind shift was so different, but my worldview has changed now. Mm. Um, and, and bicycles are really big. So I cycle pretty much everywhere. Nice. Public transport and, and cycling, pretty did much you, everywhere. Did you ever find yourself wandering in the bicycle lane and almost get killed a few times when you first moved there? Mm. I know. 
a lot know, of South I, Africans I I, are it's a it's an unfamiliar thing to a lot of South Africans. So some of my friends are like they were just standing on the sidewalk, whatever, and then this bike comes flying, and they're like, people are just like f you, you know, get out the yeah. way because it it's a serious thing. They take it very seriously. A bike lane's a bike lane. So maybe what I can say about that is like if you. If you've heard that come out from places like the UK, UK is too small and they've never planned for bikes. Um, if you think Netherlands, Netherlands really bike friendly, but also the bike, the cyclists own the roads, right? No, so if you're on, on their path, you know. There's, there are more tourists. bikes than cars and people yeah. in the Netherlands. Uh, Denmark's a little bit different in that like their their infrastructure for bikes is like they they almost did city planning where they they factored in people need to commute by foot by bike and by by car and so it's it's a little bit easier so so mm. suburbs cities they're they're very geared towards uh, even our tra the train system mm. the trains are built to accommodate bikes getting in and out so they're bigger than maybe the the London trains which is so much nicer oh. So, and, and you don't pay, so if you're taking, they call it the S train, which is like the, just just the, the daily commute train, like not the underground yeah. metro. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to pay an additional charge to get your bike onto the train. Whereas in the UK, I think you have to pay. Yeah. Um, and you, you do that here when you're using the metro, but so, so, the, so it's, it's fine. Um, so, so that's been, that's been new. That's been interesting moving here. Rental, how, how you, transport yourself so, so winters are obviously a bit challenging but now i live mm. much closer to the office so that makes it a big difference oh that's good yeah and you stay healthy and fit and it forces you to move because you're not you don't just jump i mean obviously cars have the benefits like there are times where you're like flip i just want to get in a car have my foot on a pedal and get to where i need to be yeah. um <clears throat> but i think having the opportunity to cycle anywhere if you could is amazing that's it's a great thing because from your mental wellness um your physical health there's so many benefits to it you know what i mean it's like you and you're getting you're getting out you're getting fresh air and it it just feels like an adventure every time you know what i mean like i get so frustrated when i have to drive to the store which is literally like a kilometer and a half away so I started walking all the time, but now I can't always walk because, you know, I'm rushing back to get back to work. You know what I mean? Because that's our, the kind of mentality yeah. here. Whereas, um, and I wish I could just jump on a bike, but then we've got like this crazy, you've got taxi drivers and then our roads aren't, you know, geared to that. So I think... Obviously, South Africa is getting there. Like, so a lot of like Santon and stuff has now got bike lanes, and they do. You know, yeah, yeah. So they started enforcing some bike lanes in in the in the smaller streets, um, in within the CBD itself. But from a public transport point of view, I think that's that's something that South Africa really, really lacks. I mean, we're probably quite far ahead of a lot of other African countries, to be honest. Um, but I think, yeah, that appeal, but I guess it's, it's also based on personality. I mean, maybe there are people that hate the idea of biking. Maybe it's just because we like that outdoorsy adventurous, you know, let's get out there and ride a bike or take a walk type thing. But there are people that absolutely hate that lifestyle as well. Yeah. I mean, 
so I think if, if you hold an image in your mind of like this, this Danish person on a bicycle cycling merrily and then getting from point A to point B, getting off the bicycle with like just looking perfect and flawless and their hair not out of place. <laughs> and there's, they're, they're, it's like the genetic lottery, I promise you. And they're, they're like skin is just like not even sweaty. And then there's me who's like drenched <laughs> in perspiration. <laughs> and like yeah, my hair. Towels and-, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if I, if I had to have makeup on, like everything's just running. So, so there's also practical implications. It's like, okay, what shoes would I wear? Do I need to pack a pair of shoes in my backpack so when I get there, then I change? <laughs> Um, so I think I think it's just it's a mind shift, mindset shift, right? Yeah. But in some ways, it's also been a bit liberating because I don't have to think about. Um, so I live typically you would live quite close to, to to public transport because either a bus or an actual a train station. Yeah. Um, so so practically speaking. Um, oh, what was I saying? I just lost my thought. Okay. Let's, the ease of the going. transport. No, because, yeah. and I completely, uh, I get it because I, I did an exchange program. So I was in Germany for about two and a half months or so um, on an exchange program. And I was just like, oh my God, this is heaven to me because I would, there were times where I would go out with friends that were also from South Africa on the exchange program. We'd go out and I'd literally, I'd walk home at 11 at night and I'd catch the train or I'd catch the bus and I would walk most of the time because it was such a foreign concept to be able to walk around at night. I mean, I got home, my whole family freaked out. They're like, dude, what are you doing? You can't, it's too late. But for me, I was like, this is amazing. You know, they obviously, they look at the danger in that it's dark and you could fall and break your leg. And I'm not saying crime doesn't exist, but when, you know, coming from like Joburg and oh, of course, yeah. it's like, it's a whole different ball game, especially if you're female, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're a female um, trying to navigate through Joburg and you're walking around late at night or any, the post office, even for that matter, if you look at things that have taken place, it's like having that access to public transport that you know is reliable and efficient is, it's a game changer. Um, I think, I think on the point of just being able to walk, I, I would love to say that in, in South Africa, I, I could just walk around. I, you can probably do it maybe in Cape Town, right? Because they're wired a bit, they're, they're structurally organized to accommodate for tourism better. Yes. Whereas Johannesburg's maybe not. It's, it's a, it's an industrialized melting pot to, to input human labor and output yeah. gold and resource, right? It's an um, economic and, hub. That's what it is. Right. Yeah. And so that's when you, when you, when you think of the adjectives that describe Johannesburg, it, it's going to be hustle. It's going to be grind. But when you think of Durban, it's beach, surf, Slops, vibes. Slops. Vibes. Let me chill, bry, right. right. relaxed. And that's okay. And I'm, and I'm down with that, right? So coming, coming from the Danish, uh, you know, DNA philosophies, that's, that's, that's okay. Hugli. I'm cool What is it? Hugli. Hugger? Hugger. And Hugglik. Yeah, I'm, down, I'm completely down with that. Um, just being able to walk around, I think, depends on where in South Africa you, you, you want to do this. And I'd love to be able to say that, you know, I come home in once I'm uh, able to, to, to then say, okay, I, I went for a walk 
here or I went for a walk there. Mm. I think what's different here in Denmark is that I don't even think about it. If I want to walk to the shop, that's just natural. Um, if I want to walk anywhere, uh, typically because of the structure of the way uh, Copenhagen is is designed, you're very mm. close to a body of water or the beach or a lake or a fjord, you know, <sighs> in a matter of moments. And that's that means that... Um, Danes are very much like nature people. They make time and space for long walks. And, and that is an activity. So, so for us, an activity is, oh, let's go to the mall. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's go. go to the club. Let's, let's go. go to the club. You know, let's go. Right? The club. <laughs> you know, let's go watch a live band. You know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's true here, depending on your age group. But here it's just you can just go for a walk in a forest and that's a very beautiful thing i Dude. think <laughs> it's a very beautiful thing so i mean i live in an area where there's horses and and what that means is like even though it's a suburb um it's it's near it's called um duahane duahane is deer, deer, like uh, animal deer deer like deer deer park, park right Mm-hmm. And it's where the, the the royalty used to go and and hunt. And I live very close to to this area, and so next, adjacent to that would be like a whole lot of horses. And so you you just see people just like for fun taking them on a walk, and then there's cycling, and then there's oh. cars. So we were saying how South Africans we look at like activities as like going out, right, and like partying and like where there's a thing where like we're getting ready, spending money, we're getting ready, we're going out, we're going for dinner. But something as simple as, like you're saying, Danish people go for a walk and that's an activity. It's not exactly, it's not like, it's the most basic thing. I think that's what I love about the lifestyle is that it's literally taking the most basic things about human life and making good moments out of them. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I, I think it's it's also the it's the it's the culture. So there's two things that happen, right? So one is how people connect is different here. So my social groups will send me a text message to say, "Hey, um, let's go for a walk in the forest and pick wild herbs." That's a thing. <laughs> so now is the season to pick wild garlic and wild like herbs from the. Obviously, there's probably a guide that you would look at to know what to pick. Mm. Um, and and that's 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 also perfectly cool. The other way is that you could socialize by going for a coffee. So knowing that this is the coffee and socks, you know, podcast, yes. you could. But the 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 other aspect is it's really expensive, actually. So so a cup of mm. of good hot chocolate, cacao, or coffee in Denmark is like forty five to fifty five krona. So times that by two or two point four, whatever the exchange rate is. Damn. Yeah, right. And, and that's okay shit. because, but but to add the context, right? So so how do you want to contextualize that? Do you want to see forty five krona one to one to the Dana, to to the rand and say okay, it, it would be forty five rands. That's that's a bit high end. Or do you want to rationalize it like, okay, but you're earning in that currency, so it's better. But I still think that's a lot of money. No, right? I think. It, it works both cool. ways. I think as a, as a South African, right, we have this tendency, like, I know when I was in, um, in Switzerland, which is like damn expensive. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I had this bad habit of like always converting it to rands. And I'm like, no, but I can't do that. Yes, 
I have to be reasonable and sensible about the way I spend my money. But at the same time, this is the lifestyle there and the earning potential is generally in accordance. I mean, it is expensive. Even like Scandinavians say it's quite expensive. You know what I mean? But the earning potential and the level of earning allows like Nordics, the Nordic countries, for instance, to actually live a comfortable lifestyle with what they're getting paid. So, you know, it's not like you're getting paid and it's not even enough to sustain you through basic, with basic needs, you know what I mean? So that is expensive. I think it's expensive even in, <laughs> in any context. But like five euros or something. Exactly. So, the, the, and that is a lot. So it's like, I think you have to weigh it in both contexts, but I think what's important is that um, that's why people see it as, okay, if you're going for a coffee, it's like, it's a thing. It's not just something we take for granted. Like, yeah, we'll be like, oh, let's go for coffee. And we'll literally just go for coffee randomly for no reason whatsoever. And sometimes it'll be for five or 10 minutes just to see someone. And that's it. You chat, you catch up, you finish your coffee. Can we get the bill, please? And then we're out. But yeah. there, you know, if you're going to have a coffee, you're making the most out of that experience. Like I'm assuming you're sitting down, you're having long conversation, you literally, you're in that moment and you're not thinking about your next coffee date, you're thinking about this and what's happening right now, which is a cultural, it's a cultural thing as well. Yeah, I think also geographically, Scandinavia is very far north. So, So to get, there's a huge emphasis on, good food, good quality food. Um, there's a beautiful book that I got for my birthday called Scandinavian Comfort Food by um, Trine Hanneman, I think her name is. And so now that's on my agenda to do for this next three months is to cook from this book. And, and so it's good quality um, produce. And that's why I loved the, listening to the podcast that you did with your friend on Home Farm. Because oh, I was yeah? like, it, it so makes sense. Like if I could get a hydroponic unit in my apartment, in my kitchen counter to grow like my herbs, I think it would be a fantastic idea. But uh, like just aside from that, um, it's, it's good quality. So, so, so I often see produce for, you know, from South Africa on, on, in, in the shops when I yeah. go to, and we always check the labels, like where's, where's the bananas coming from? Or where's, where's all of the, because it, it has, typically it's going to have to be brought in. It can't, it can't more often all than be not. There. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're very good at doing um, like bacon products. Danish bacon is hugely popular and very good quality mm. uh, and like potatoes and things, mm. but a lot of other stuff can't really grow here. So they, they bring it in. Yeah. Um, and Lots you know what the scary thing is? A lot of foreign countries get the best of South Africa's products and South Africans will generally get second or third grade. You'll go to the States and you see, I saw these apples that were like majestic. They were huge. They were just, right. they looked I incredible. <laughs> I looked at the label made in South Africa. And then I look at the South African stuff. I mean, our stuff is great. It's quality. Don't get me wrong. We have ex- exceptional quality um, like products here but we don't realize just how much of the good stuff gets sent to countries like uh the north and the west you know what i mean because it's just yeah yeah, it's crazy so so i think that's political conversation because maybe it's also true for denmark like denmark and i don't know this but could it be that denmark will send their best produce 
to the UK market because they want to be known as the best Danish producer in a particular produce. Yeah. And South Africa wants to be the best producer in, in, in this. And so what it means is that, you know, the country itself is not getting the best products because of yeah. the, the geopolitics. It's um, money. It's <laughs> yeah. a money game. And, and even with coffee, there's a beautiful, beautiful podcast that I just finished listening to. Uh, so for my birthday, uh, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a friend invited me for a Yemeni online coffee tasting, which mm. is different, right? So, so what yeah, they do yeah, is yeah. they send you a coffee box and arrives, you, you log in, and then you have this online experience of taking you through the coffee journey, where it comes from. And, and Yemeni coffee is particularly difficult to source. Um, because of the political situation. And so the podcast was called A History of, of Coffee. So it's pretty mm. simple. And, and that was also just an understanding to what it means to get coffee beans as a part of a daily experience and something I completely take for granted. Mm. For me, I love coffee. I sit down, I savor it. It's something so special. But what did it actually take to have coffee and coffee beans in our home? And what were the lives that were affected, right? So, and so, it's a scary, scary, scary trail. When you look because at it. it's the same for tea, right? If you think about um, Dutch East India Company bringing sugarcane beans. The most evil company in the world. <laughs> I, w- I won't <laughs> Maybe say after Nestle. <laughs> Maybe after Nestle, actually. Right. So, so it's, it's just down to what happened in history at that point that we can now have sirloin tea. And, and sirloin, I recently learned, was actually like the, the old name for Sri Lanka. And, and we oh, know really? how we got... Yeah. But I don't it's even know what sirloin tea is. It's black tea. Wow. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so but it's, it's knowing that. It's, I think what I've used some of my lockdown time for is just to understand things that I didn't have time to process before. Mm. What, what type of this, why does coffee cost so much? Why, why, why is it that we have what we have and others don't have what they have, you know, and, and being very grateful for that. <laughs> it's, you know, what? It's, it's a scary thing because I, what frustrates me sometimes about my mind is that, I'm so curious about everything. Like you say, where does it come from? Like you ask yourself that question, the history of coffee. And I also, like I savor my moments. Like when I sit down every day in the morning, the first thing I do, you know, put on my socks, make a cup of coffee. And I I have a, a, it's a ritual. So I have this ritual where I sit down on the couch or wherever I am. And I'll literally just sit in silence and just process my day process like every sip process things that I need to figure out solutions like just it's it's a time of reflection introspection um, meditation you know you know for me meditation is not necessarily like uh, sitting down and um, you know it's like any time where I can just be quiet I don't turn on my devices until at least an hour hour and a half after I wake up um because it's a distraction you know so i i had the same thought about it one day about where does coffee come from and we know like it sucks because so much in the world comes from such a dark place you know what i mean and 
I watched this documentary called Rotten. It's a documentary series on Netflix. Netflix with the yeah. av- I know what you the mean. The avocado wars, like the the dairy industry, and one of the things was was coffee. Yeah. Um, and where coffee comes from, and it's like it. I'm so conflicted because sometimes the things I enjoy the most, when you look back at the history, like almost everything we have in our lives comes from a tainted place. And I, I always have the struggle of, you know, do I just stay ignorant to it and enjoy what I have? Because every, then everything becomes a conspiracy. Everything becomes like a dark history. But I think it's so important to know about these things as and but not let it affect you to like a depressed and depleted kind of way you know because when i saw the coffee one it broke my heart because you look at the people it's like at the bottom of the food chain who are the most important people in the whole chain because they are the ones that grow the coffee beans they are the ones that are picking it they are the ones getting the content to produce these this incredible product and they are the ones that struggle the most. Like they are the ones earning a dollar for like a week's work. You know what I mean? Living in poverty themselves, but without them, nothing, we wouldn't have what we have on our tables. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, I guess it's also just like the system and the way the system is designed. The people at the bottom, the people, it's like in business, the people at the bottom who make a company tick, who make things work are often the ones that are, neglected the most or they're not rewarded the way they should be you know so it's sad in a way but i'm gonna try not to focus on the negative side of where coffee comes from but i think it's like like you're saying the history of coffee it blows your mind because you look at something that's it's a billion a multi-billion maybe trillion dollar industry and when you look at where it comes from and how it gets to our table it's it's a crazy crazy thing chocolate as well chocolate was another one actually oh yeah Yeah. so i think so i think what it does is it it creates an opportunity to ask yourself what is the history so what's the past where are we now we have these buying we have buying power right yeah and and then what type of future do we want to envision because it's kind of a conversation about um, choosing. And, and here it's, it's a difficult thing because you have the, the individual perspective, but you also expect the corporations to come in and play the, the right game yeah. because you can't watch, you, you, you want to know, okay, my, my, my chocolate or my coffee comes from an ethically sourced place. And so you can, you can make good decisions by going to the barista which we do, we have a fantastic barista around the corner. And, um, you know, he's got the whole history of where the coffee is sourced. And so you can start actually going to the, the at least here with, with Scandinavia and with, with Denmark specifically, you can actually have all of this information publicly available about a company and where they're sourcing it and the farms mm. and hopefully what you're being told is the truth, right? Uh, and, and the same for chocolate. So, so you, so here, um, the Netherlands produces a slab of chocolate, which is pure heaven, called uh, Tony's chocolate. Oh, yes. Do you know it? Yes, do you, I do Tony's, know it. But Tony's chocolate is a particularly interesting story because mm. it's, it's a story also about recognizing slavery and, 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 and the history of it. Yeah. And so now in, in our house, I heard once you said, you know, 
you guys, you know, have rules about when you eat junk food. So we have a, a box underneath the TV <laughs> with our Tony's chocolate and, and other snacks. But so, so we have a rule that we only buy like certain things. We're starting to shift because you can't watch things with, with like C spursy and, and then think, oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? I you watch start C-Spursy. watching it. <laughs> you watch it and you think, oh no, this is going to be about plastic. And it, it turns <sighs> out to be something completely not only that. And it blows your mind. And three weeks ago, I was in the shop with Tay and I, and he, and I said, okay, it's, salad, it's, it's time to make some salads. Do you want to get some tuna? And he goes, yeah. And he's like, you can't buy that one. You have to buy this one because the label says it's, 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 it cares about the environment. So I'm like, okay, fine. So we take that. And then we, we sit down and we watch this thing. And, and it's like, that means shit. It means nothing. Right? Because it's literally like, oh yeah, we think we followed the procedures and we think it was fine. So we're oh, going to slap a label on it and find that the company who slaps the labels benefit from it's a trust the sale thing. of it. It's, it's yeah. literally like it's a hand, but that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. It's so scary because everything is tied to some bullshit and it's so hard to find. So that's, know. that's it. It's, it's where, where do we draw the line? Do, do we as consumers want to do the good thing, but we actually should hold somehow these businesses to, to say, provide us with good options. You know, mm. we, we want to be good people. We want to make good decisions. Maybe we just didn't realize that this is what our decision meant. And so you, you left there in this dark place during COVID watching these things with your whole world completely shifting about all the things you love and you hold dear, chocolate, coffee, your, your dietary habits, mm. you know, pla- all of these conversations. And then you think, okay, what's this emerging future that we're going we're gonna to create in the mm. next five to 10 to, I think they're tracking to 20, 20, 2050, right? But there's a future after that too. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It is. But I, like you say, I think from on the flip side, as consumers, we need to be more, we need to press on these issues more. And I think that's what's nice about um, like the, the Scandinavian countries and because they're so, they're so advanced, you know what I mean? Like in terms of finding ways to be greener, to be more sustainable, like another documentary I really, or series I really enjoyed watching. And I think I've spoken about this on like pretty much every episode of my podcast, just because it's so powerful and it's so good. And it's so mind blowing is Zac Efron's down to like, Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you look at countries like Iceland and you look at the stuff they're doing and how they're using the environment and nature's resources the heat from volcan from volcanoes to literally power their cities so they're not creating any footprints and then they're still taking whatever carbon whatever bad stuff's been created and turning that into materials that they're able to safely use so i think that's it in terms of that and sustainability like the Scandinavians are so far ahead. I mean, we're, we're dealing with such different issues and different parts of the world are dealing with so many different things. But that's what makes countries like Denmark and Sweden and Norway and Iceland so incredibly fascinating is because they're living in the future. In 2050, like, where will they be? Like, it's going to be crazy where they'll be. I mean, South Africa and the States and China, will they'll be 
on something but it's so crazy how everyone's kind of heading into the future and pushing sustainability but everyone is fighting like a different battle like china's trying to take over the world by 2050 and america's trying to stop them and trying to stop russia and i think my whole point was we as consumers we may not be able to control everything but i think it's our duty to kind of raise awareness about it you know what i mean like and we also at the risk of then kind of looking like we're always being morbid and raising bad things. Like I looked at my Instagram feed the other day and I was like, I shared, um, I watched Dissident, um, which is a documentary about Jamal Khashoggi's murder um, in the Turkish embassy. You know what I mean? Because he was a guy speaking out about Saudi Arabia. So I put that up. I watched it. It blew my mind. It was like, this is just, it's it's crazy. It's filth. Um, and then I think soon after I put up a thing about Vladimir Putin um, and his interviews that he did with Oliver Stone. He did like a four-part interview series with him. And then I was going to put up the Seaspiracy thing and I'm like, oh my God, it literally looks like I'm filling my mind with just morbid stuff. But at the end of the day, all I'm try- I, I just want to raise awareness about it. But without painting a bleak reality in a bleak time you know in life as it is so i think that's where lockdown has um kind of like opened a lot of our eyes i mean i think it's it's good to know about these things oh the other thing i also posted which was also like so depressing but so fascinating um the nazi scientists who were taken into the united states um just trying to remember the name of the book but it was a fascinating book i'm just trying to pull up the name um about how when the cold war i mean not the cold war when nazi germany were about to crumble and about to fall those obviously the russians and the americans were at neck and neck trying to see who can get into space first who's going to be the people that now take things to the next level and this was just about how america took top Nazi scientists, like the top of the food chain and made them the head of institutions like NASA, you know, because they're scientists who had brilliant minds that were just doing disgusting things, but some of the most evil people were literally taken to the States and part of a lot of the projects like NASA, putting people on the moon and some of these people, they were considered the good Nazis. So So what was the name of the book? Um, so is, it, is it a factually based book? It's it's a factually based book. Oh, it's called Operation Paperclip. Okay. That's what it is. It's a book by Annie Jacobson, um, Operation Paperclip, where they basically trace. And it was so fascinating because I watched an interview with her and she actually like tracked down some of um, descendants of like these Nazi high ranking generals and had conversations with them. And it's it was mind blowing. Like this book's like 500, 600 pages long. Um, but you know, it just digs so deep. And when you look, it's actually called the secret intelligence program that brought Nazi scientists to America. So the name's operation paperclip. So it's something to check out. It, it'll blow your mind, but it's just like, it just shows how entangled in the world we are that, yeah we may not be able to change everything but let's we can always raise awareness so people can i don't know i mean we know companies like nestle like crazy shit they do 
but we buy their products because do we have a choice? And maybe it's time for more local manufacturers who, to source the stuff and kind of build their own products. But then how do they compete against these massive corporations like Nestle, like Yeah, it's the economies Adbury, of scale that you're fighting. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it is crazy, um, but I think, yeah, raise awareness. But this is just some of the stuff I've been helping me get through lockdown. I think I've just been kind of filling my mind with as much knowledge and curiosity and trying not to let it get to me. Um, but it's just nice to know, you know, like I think that sort of stuff has been good. Um, and obviously so lockdown here was quite intense. I'm, I'm not sure how it was there, like with restrictions and like we went on full lockdown in the beginning where we couldn't do anything. In March, March of last year. Yeah, yeah. So from I think from March until June, it was literally complete level five, top tier lockdown. You could go to the stores and that's it. Get your stuff, get home, curfews. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was quite intense. So I think what I can say about lockdown here with the first lockdown um, wasn't, wasn't as harsh here. I think it's maybe just um societally uh, uh, you know you you get the information and then you're there's an understanding that you will behave in a way that is respectful of everyone else right let's let's just say it like that um so i'm not going to say that we didn't have a tissue a tissue paper shortage because we did <laughs> you know and and i did one day go to netto and uh, <laughs> which is a one of the shops here or um i went to netto and menu and like the other one irma and like the sh shelves were completely I was, I was looking for like cooking ingredients and it was like just nothing nothing on the shelves so 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 that did happen yeah mm. but we were absolutely allowed to to go out to to still socialize a little bit um a little bit uh in that we we could go out and we could sit get sun get sun, get sun. Yeah, that's a thing that's a thing yeah uh you in the know. three months that it shows itself we were able to get it yeah so, <laughs> and we were so, so so it was a little bit different and the perception was we were aware that there was a problem the whole like implementation of masks on public transport and things were were only implemented much later once masks were actually available to be sourced um so we worked we worked from home uh, actually a week before the official lockdown. We, uh, we mobilized and got equipment sent over to our homes and it was really, really nice. And, you know, uh, our, our, our second monitors and if we needed chairs and things like that. So, so we were, we were good. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So practically speaking, there was full support and being in a tech company, you know, working off teams is, is fine. It's, it's our nature. We can, we can work remotely. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that was okay. Second wave. Yes. It started getting serious. And then the third wave now. So actually it's only this weekend that people are now going to, so maybe what's a little bit different is we get the, the test done yeah. and then they send us an SMS to say that you were tested negative for the virus. And then if you need to go to a restaurant, you show them the test uh, results and then mm. you're, so it's valid for about three days. And okay, so that's wow. how they're operating, which is maybe a bit different to South Africa. But mm. so you, you go in, there's testing centers everywhere. You log online, find a testing center, and then you can go for a haircut. So you can go to the restaurant. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just takeaways. Or you can go, you know, to the gym or to the climbing hall. But other than that, stay at home, you know, just yeah. be safe. 
so, so that's been that's that's the now situation where this weekend you know friends are mobilizing and saying hey do you want to get together at Raffin or do you want to do something and mm. by the way are you going to go get you get your, get your test results done <laughs> so that we can we can go and sit inside and have you know our our coffee um, but I think everyone's experience to to lockdown again has been different I think for me being far away from home one of the things is just receiving bad news so so it was only in January February that you know you saw or maybe October November you know, yeah that period that, where, that's where when bad things news. started to literally yeah I think November December I had I lost about maybe 30 or 40 people like family and friends you know no I mean it, it's just an indication of just how that yeah. period they were literally like every day they were teaching and it's yeah. not even just me it's teachers my mom was telling me like this teacher passed away and this she was 30 so it's yeah during that period and in jan so november december january was like crazy time for bad news right mm. yes and and then it's even though you're in johannesburg right there's still distance so it's how do you grieve how do you get bad news on a video call and want to hold the person and you can't because you're you're nowhere near them and you yourself want to grieve but you you can't and then how like as human beings i don't think i was wired to 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 handle that and so i had to like Again, I like okay. There, there's got to be a TEDx video to, for this. There really has to be someone because <laughs> it goes against idea. human nature. It right? goes against human nature to not have physical contact. I mean, like for instance, my aunt, her husband is—he uh, was a policeman, forty-four-year-old um, guy, amazing guy. He got COVID, I think, on duty, um, gave it to her. He passed away in hospital. She was not able to yeah. touch him or hold him to say goodbye she tested positive so during his funeral she had the full hazmat covered completely yeah. no one was allowed to go near her so even like it's my dad's it's my dad's sister he was not a, he had to keep his distance from her so literally there was no one except her sons that who also tested positive later who were not able you know, you just want to hug your family member, like your sons. Yes, that's a natural thing. Your kids, your mom, your dad, you can hug them no matter what. But sometimes you want to be there for someone and you can't. And that's, it literally goes against everything as humans, like human connection is probably what we're wired for, like community, social interaction, whether you're a hunter-gatherers, you're killing animals to eat dinner together around a fire it's it's part of our dna you know what i mean yeah i think again like i i looked for like give me give me the physiology that exists within the trauma experience right because i need to to decompress this i need to understand it because if i understand it then i'm going to have a a set of tools that's going to help me navigate this Mm through what I know is going to be the next three months of receiving potentially bad news. And so you, I have to mentally gather my thoughts. Yeah. And I think the one thing, it was um, Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the author of that Eat, Pray, Love book. And she oh, was yeah. talking to Chris Anderson, who, is it Chris Anderson? Yeah, he's like the curator of TED. The head of TED. Yeah, yeah the guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and and he did a beautiful uh, like a seminar workshop thing that he posted during COVID to help people connect and to help you know speakers connect and people mm-hmm. to, to listen in, and and she she spoke about this thing of she, apparently um, the the experience was um, based on of course a book that she read was that if if you receive bad news like the loss of someone the 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 experience is that within 20 to 30 minutes, you're going to have this heightened emotional trauma, trauma, trauma experience, mm-hmm. and your body's going to cry and all of those, those unpackings. And, and then after that, your brain kind of attention flows and it's going to be, okay, you get into a state of asking some logical questions. And, and so understanding that was like really helpful for me because then I could say, okay, if, if I'm in the situation where someone is crying, then I kind of just say, okay, let them cry for 30 minutes. Don't ask them any questions. I got this. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then after that, I'm like, okay, so let's have the logical conversation. Tell me the information I need or, you know, is everyone okay? And, and it sounds a bit stupid, but the, the, the thing that emerged was that we just didn't know how to behave. We just didn't have the answer. We've, we've never as a society been in this and we just didn't know what was right or wrong or if there is even a right or wrong or, you know. We didn't even know how deadly this thing is. We, no one knew. No idea. They predicted the absolute worst. They went and said, we're all going to die. You know what I mean? This thing is the deadliest virus to hit. And yeah, some it has, but it hasn't been as deadly as maybe something like the Spanish flu. But then again, they didn't have the tools we have now to kind of navigate through this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think everyone, like I said, everyone's experience is different. My, my mom, who is such a superwoman, she used her lockdown time to, to gather her friends, basically, her mm. friends and people that she knows within her social circle. And she wrote a book about like nine women's stories that are really inspirational, tremendous. And, and then she, in lockdown, published the thing. What? Got, yeah, got, got their pictures on a cover page and did the, like, compiled this thing and then she got it published. Wow. And, and it Shout was Shout out so to cool. your mom. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, she, she's connected to the African, uh, African Dream Foundation and for the proceeds go, go, go to there. And I think what was wow. interesting is for the first time, I got to have this experience where you, you get the manuscript and you read it, you know, and then it's like you get to comment on it uh, yeah. a little bit. And, and so that was pretty cool during lockdown. So it, it was cool in that I got to get out of a headspace, that you, you, out of my own headspace and into yeah. someone else's in, in, a, in a different way. Mm. Uh, but, but she has um, Shamin Rajwansi in there. And, you know, she's from, she's um, Mr. Rajwansi's wife. From the minority friend. Oh, yeah, and and it's her story in there, and you get to to see her in a different light. Then there's um, Priscilla Gavinder from the Chatter Child Welfare, which is like, I mean, if if you went to some high schools, you inevitably ended up at the Chatter Child Health Welfare to to do volunteer work, right? Yeah. Um, and so so she's been there for like. 30 plus years or something. Wow. And, and, and there were some times where I just picked up or I looked at the cover page of the person who's been profiled. It's, it's stories about entrepreneurship with women. 
uh, and their stories and their struggles and their adventures. And, and there, there, were, there were some stories where I looked at the picture and I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be about how she, she conquered, you know, self, self-made businesswoman, which yeah. it is. Yeah, but yeah. like you read the first five lines and I think sometimes I just, I, I, there was one time where I just closed my laptop down and I was like, I need, I need to just go, go do something else because this is going to be a heavy read. Yeah. And, and you don't expect it because some of them, I, I know two or three of these women and, and you don't know their struggles. So it was good to get out of my own headspace. It was go- good to see stories of women who really were are so worthy of where they are in the world and the space that they've, they've shaped for themselves. Yeah. And um, yeah, shout out to my mom for put, putting it together. Shout out to your doing... mom, man, making <laughs> lights out of a bad situation. Yeah. And, and so I guess it's just for me an example of how you can, you can just take some time to just hit pause, reevaluate, be mindful, be purposeful. And mm. how do you want to spend your time? we can put ourselves in in the dark space or we could maybe just cook up a storm in the kitchen or go for a long walk which sounds very simple but that's what helps that's why those things exist that's why that's what lockdown taught me in particular and I taught a lot of my friends and a lot of my family is that you're so used to being on the go. And my parents were like this as well. They're always like, oh, we have to do this. Oh, we have to drive here. We have to go do this. And my mom got to a stage because she's a teacher. So obviously she was at home and couldn't teach for the first. So she's like, dude, I don't oh, yeah, know what to do with myself. She's like, I'm, I'm like getting depressed. And I was like, so I would like like talk her through things, you know, like every day, like do this or find a hobby or, you know, start reading or something. She hates reading. So she was like, that's not the question. Um, And then it started to change something in her brain where she was like, mental health is a real thing, you know, for a lot of people. And that's the thing. I think the lockdown forced us to kind of like start appreciating the smaller things, like going to the movies and watching something at the theater. You know what I mean? Like, going for little walks and can, can i just say that a movie ticket in copenhagen will cost like 300 rands per ticket so you can be damn sure I'm well it's not far off <laughs> <laughs> it's not far off from what still clinical charges us these days so after coffee, after the tickets and the popcorn you pretty much yeah it's gonna cost you around three four hundred bucks so but it's crazy Um, But that's the thing. You see, these are things we're so used to as luxuries, like here, that they're actually not luxury. They're not, there are luxuries. Sorry, we're so used to seeing them as like, oh, it's just part of life, but they're actually luxuries. You start to realize going for a walk is actually the most amazing thing you could do, like being outside, connected to nature. And I hate running. I used to be a runner at school, so I just got the training, it all, it all just traumatized me to a point where I hated it. But I got to lo- in lockdown where I couldn't go to the gym and swim anymore. I had to be, start running. So I started running. Um, and that led to me finding this amazing park with this huge lake and these waterfalls and animals. And then I found this like a bird sanctuary there where you could go and see hawks and kingfishers. What park and is this? It's, it's a golden harvest and it's literally like a kilometer from me. So the one day I walked past this road and I saw a little gate, I'm like, that's interesting. So I was like, 
it's still early. Let me go check it out. And I literally walked into like, it felt like Narnia to me. And I was mesmerized. Like it took me weeks to get through this whole place, to explore the whole place because it was, it's so huge. And it's literally in the middle of everything. And and that became my sanctuary. Like every day before work or after work, forced myself to go for a run. And now it's like part of my daily life. Like I have to go for this walk. I have to go for this run. Um, I have to read like you were saying, getting out of the headspace. Like I forced myself to start reading more, forced myself to start listening to music again because I kind of like fell out of love with music. It makes me too emotional. So I stopped listening to a lot of the stuff. And then it got me back into this rhythm of finding satisfaction in the most basic things that cost you nothing, cost you nothing to read because you can find it a PDF or an audiobook online, you know what I mean? Yeah. Might not always be legal, but you can find it if you really want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, going for a walk costs you nothing. Like it literally stripped us, stripped humanity back into the most basic form of sitting in a room, dealing with your thoughts and talking to people and connecting with people that you literally, we take for granted. Like, yeah, I think, I think where I'm a little bit fortunate is because uh, having moved here and experienced the culture, a part of the, the, the part of Denmark is also the Happiness Institute, right? So, so I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mickey or Mike Viking and Viking, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how you say it, but so, so he, he talks about, you know, happiness and and although I hate being asked you know are you happy in Denmark or are you happy wait that's that's a silly question that's probably the wrong question yeah. to ask it's like <laughs> are you comfortable in Denmark maybe that would be more of an appropriate one uh, yes very comfortable but I, I think his um his happiness research is is also interesting because if you're in a headspace where you're wanting to look at what is happiness or maybe you have questions about why don't I feel happy or Mm. um, and and it's it's I think he breaks it down into like three things I think he says it's about life satisfaction it's about emotions and it's about uh, and I I think it's probably better if you just google him but it's about comparison so so one Mm. of the things is like you you look at life satisfaction and and how satisfied are you on a very subjective level yeah. And how are you feeling day to day? And then on a much deeper level, the, the attributes to how we compare ourselves, which I thought to be very interesting, because if, if in, a, in a world where you're forced to be redundant due to your job, so your economic value, your mindset mm. is, I am worthy because of the job that that I have have. and the money that I make. And then if you lose that, and if you're comparing yourself to your friends or your family that then maybe, you know, haven't lost their jobs or your friends and now they're still able to have certain standards of life, Mm. your social position is impacting your wellness. And I thought that that was so, so relevant and so current um, because we naturally want to look on social media and we mentally put ourselves through this comparison. Yeah. Like, is it Instagrammable? Yes or no. Do I compare? 
what what does my breakfast look like in in relation to everyone else's breakfast breakfast. (laughs) today this morning you know you know and and I think that on a very deeper level there are some interesting things that we could maybe explore you know not now but I mean just we as in you know just the general populace explore and begin to unpack with with happiness Mm. and with worthiness which is more like Brene Brown's like philosophies and thinking. Yeah, yeah. I, I was watching. Um, I don't know if you watch this. It's it's on Apple TV. It's called Mythic Crest. Do you watch it? I, I haven't. No, Mythic Crest. So, Quest. Mythic oh, Quest. 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 Oh, okay. No, yeah, no, I haven't seen it's, a, it. it's a it's a it's a it's a video game company, and the story story arc follows these two game gamers um, who who produce games. I kind of like video games now that I'm able to play it <laughs> once or twice. Um, and, and so even, even they, they mention it and, and it's, it's, it's so, uh, why it's, it's just, it keeps popping up this, this, this connection to worthiness and happiness because people are in a weird space. So, yeah. And comparison is probably one of the biggest things that drives people to unhappiness. You know what I mean? Because I know I used to do this a lot. Um, a few years ago, like around 26 or 27 um, was when I went through probably the strangest time in my life. Like where I said at 27, when I turned 27, I'm like, you know what? I'm at the stage where if I die right now, I don't care. And I want to die. And I said, at least if I die, if I'm going to die young, please let it be 27 because then I could be a part of the 27 club. The 7 club? <laughs> you monster. <laughs> so that, that was my rationality of it. And oh, it was because I was looking at so many of my other friends and they had attained these insane levels of wealth and success. Like some of them, by the time they were 29, were in they were directors of massive global companies, you know, because they, they studied one thing in varsity, they went through, did their honors um, and walked into incredible jobs and they worked bloody hard for it. So there was never like a thing of jealousy at all. Like I, I believe in celebrating everyone's successes. I'm very like big on, on like, you know, if someone does well, it doesn't matter. Even if I don't like you, I can, res- I always, res- I'll respect like the growth. And I had such an admiration for it. And I, I used to get so depressed because I was like, so I studied optometry. I left it after three years. I went and did a BSc. I studied psychology. And then I started this little radio hobby. And then it became a job. And then I went to an agency. But financially it was never like I just always felt inadequate so I was like battling because I kept comparing myself you know and the mindset that I realized eventually when I turned 28 because I'm like hey now I don't want to die because I'd just be someone who died at 28 and not part of the 27 club Um, and then I flipped it and I said to myself well I can either be depressed by it because comparing myself to them or I can be like, let me be motivated by them. Like, let me, I'm happy for the success. I want to be on that level. And I found that the more I interacted with them and spend time talking to them, you realize like who you surround yourself with is so important because I didn't feel threatened by the fact that they were more successful. I felt inspired by it. And 
that's where I think in that 20, and it's the weirdest thing because that year, that 27 year was probably one of the best years of my life. And maybe it's because I didn't care whether I lived or died. So every day was like an experience, you know what I mean? And that's when I realized when you compare, it'll be so detrimental to your health because we're all on different paths. Like everyone's destiny and everyone's timeline and path is different, you know? The KFC dude invented, came up with KFC when he was like 60 something or Colonel Sanders, you know what I mean? Like there's no time frame, but that's just societal constructs that have told us, especially within like Indian communities. Um, I'm sure it exists in other communities as well. I'm reading this book by an author called Shabnam Khan. Mm -hmm. So it's her second book. The first book she did was Onion Tears, which was basically talking about women because uh, we're talking about societal constructs and how everyone kind of has this idea of where and how you should be. And at this age, you should be married and this age, you should be like have kids and, you know, all of these things. So her first book, Onion Tears, phenomenal book. I, I think I read it in like two days, talks about growing up in Indian communities, like the story of two. It's a fictional book based on two different lives and growing up in uh, these Muslim communities and how difficult it was. Um, and the second book of hers, uh, How I Accidentally Became a Global Stock Photo, which is a, an incredible story as well, um, if you want to check it out. But it, this is more like a memoir, a travelogue, um, and like a diary, basically. It's like, she calls it like a love letter to everything. So it's, it's basically a collection of stories in her life where she is... Um, a Muslim female uh, in a Muslim in a growing up in an Indian community in Durban, and she basically talks about the struggles of how people tell her that you know she's like late twenties or early thirties. I'm not sure how old she is, and she should be married, and she should have kids, and why is she traveling by herself? And she documents these struggles um, of these structures because a lot of the time it's like, especially like I know with us, like with me, I was always the black sheep because I didn't become the lawyer or the accountant the, or the or doctor the or the engineer, <laughs> you know, I'm the oh, guy who, who became this media dude. Like, what do you do with your life? Like, what, what is this? Like, get a real job. Um, so it is a real job. <laughs> yeah. Well, now uh, since lockdown, I think people have kind of realized, oh, you know, we can't live without creators and the creative minds because Netflix and Showmax and all of these Hulu and HBO, all of these oh, networks is what got so many people through lockdown because you're, you're in your house and we're now listening and watching to incredible productions that are done by creative people. The people that are like told get a real job by not everyone, but some someone um but basically like you're saying it's like the societal structures that kind of like because we're comparing ourselves to okay yes i'm a female who's 30 i'm not married i don't have a boyfriend i'm an author and i travel by myself and i don't know what i want and that means you're you're a failure you know you're a failure in society and that's and she talks about like the effect it had on her mentally and these dark periods you go through until you realize, you know what? I don't actually care. 
I'm going to do what I want. It's my life. I'm going to live it the way I see fit. And that's what she's done. And I'm actually going to be having her on next month. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So we actually had a discussion yesterday just to finalize a few things. And I'm excited about it because it speaks to so much about how being compared to where other people, her friends, her sisters, where they are, like married, they got kids, you know. And I think that's where the comparison part is so important in the journey to finding happiness. Because happiness is, it's not, it's not a destination. It's literally like people who will be like, oh, if I get this, I'll be happy. And then you get it. And then it's like, okay, on to the next thing. I need to get a bigger house or a bigger car. And happiness is a, it's a state of mind. It's like being grateful for what you have, like in the moment, like just being there and saying, you know what, I'm happy. I've got food on my table and I've got good people around me and I'm living wherever you're living and that's it. Yeah. That's literally what it is. I think um, if we just, if we just have to think about like economic value, um, the the concept it's um, it's not obviously my concept. It's just uh, Yuval Harari who wrote like some incredible books, *Sapiens*, *Sapiens*, and *Homo oh, Deus*, and yeah, and twenty one lessons for the you know, twenty one lessons for I think it's the century or something. Uh, he talks about the concepts of like the useless class. And, and it's basically the class of people that have no economic value. And, and you could read it and you could walk away saying, oh my God, my job's going to be redundant in the next 30 years. Or you could read it and say, okay, I need to be resilient. I need to be adaptive. I need to now think of my life, not in terms of um, X, Y, and Z. You change yeah. the mental framing and, 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 and then say, ask yourself some questions like, you know, how can I be valuable? Um, is it, the families that I create or the media that I create or the content that I create, or, yeah. you know, how, how, how do we need to think differently for this mm. emerging future that we are now stepping into or the, the, the next few years that we're going to be co-creating as, as we move in and create whatever, mm. whatever that is, our futures, our jobs, our families, whatever. Mm. So, so I think even though you, and rightly so, it, it is a state of mind. You know, you just need to have some tools in your toolbox to pull out to say, what do I need to get me through point A to point B? And whatever that might be. And it's fine to have bad days. You know what I mean? You, you, no one wakes up happy every day. If they do, like, please share the polls with me because I'd love <laughs> to wake up happy every day. I think it's also like this journey to happiness is is not paved in pure happiness. I think that's what a lot of us, you know, have to understand is that there will be bad days, you know? It's just, do you focus on the one or two bad days or do you focus on the fact that you had six or five or six really good days and then the bad days are just part of your body's way of maybe keeping you grounded. Like I've had like an exceptional crazy start to the year, but I've had, I breezed through most of last year um, with the lockdown because I enjoyed it because it, it allowed me to spend more time at home to, I worked more, but I was at home. You know, it allowed me to spend more time with my wife. It allowed me to watch shows and look at old 
photo albums and just literally just stop for like that pause kind of button. This year, I struggled so much in the first few months mentally. Like I'm happier, but I had like so many dark days where I was just like, can't do this anymore. Um, but then I said to myself, those are the days where you literally dig the deepest and yeah. you start to find, okay, where are the problems? What are the faults? What is making me unhappy? And, and Don't you think it's interesting that the type of apps that have now emerged to help with mindfulness meditation? Yeah, and I, th- I think it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because it helps people learn how to do it properly or gives people a guideline. Because like you're saying, no one really knows how to really do it. You know what I mean? So like Headspace, I started off with Headspace. I tried it out. I got into a pattern and then I figured, okay, cool. I know this. I don't need Andrew telling me how and what to do right now. I'm good. But I watched a really cool, there's a really cool book or but I didn't get it from the book. I actually got it from a podcast with Naval Ramakant or Ravikant, whatever. I can't mm-hmm. remember his surname properly. But he talks about meditation just being anything you want it to be. So him, yes. he just sits and does nothing. That's his meditation. Like he sits down and does nothing. Like he just lasers, lets his mind wander because meditation will generally tell you if your mind wanders, think of it like a cloud and just let it pass by. (laughs) And if your mind wanders, just catch that thought, you know? But he was like, meditation is just the state of the art of doing nothing if that works for you. And that resonated with me because I literally love that. Like my my time in the morning with coffee is my time of meditation because I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about life. Yeah, I might like ponder over a few things that are, I'm trying to solve, but that's just so that I can solve it, get it out of my head and clear that headspace. You know what I mean? So I think meditation is, is not, not just about the headspace. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice for, for routine and to get you into like, to understand hard works, especially the early stages where they teach you about breathing, which is like super important and you're like, you know. um, That's interesting. I've tried the waking up app with Sam Harris. I think that one's pretty cool. Yeah. I must try that. I've I've seen that. And I thought about downloading it a few times. I just never got around to doing it. So I, yeah, I should. But so I think before, because I'm almost close to having to dash off. But yeah. before we do, should we just quickly shift gears to maybe a topic that is so close to home, like music, and just chat a bit about that? Because I think um, music festivals, as you know, is so deep in my DNA. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and if I think so music sure. festivals, I think you, especially yeah. your ultra music, your you enjoy Tomorrow. the good. Are you still, are you read, you've been to Tomorrowland, like? Yeah, so I think if we just talk music and then uh, just before we, we say goodbye for now. Um, so, I mean, if if ever there was a, a music festival to, to try that's on my to-do list, it would be the Danish music festival called Roskiller. And it's pr- pretty cool. So, so it, obviously it's, it's been canceled now this year and yeah. last year. Um, and I've had a, a work colleague who, who's gone like pretty much for most of them but like in 2019 i think they had like the cure and they had no uh 
yeah yeah they had bob dylan i think it was bob dylan oh, so they had they have such a you know is it i can't remember but another cure so so i know like they have such so it's 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 a beautiful setting it's near like a fjord near a, the viking museum ish mm. kind of right and it just basically- breaks my heart hearing anything like the fjords and the vikings because that's what i spend my pastime when you when you can come over to the nordic countries i'm here so have a great adventure plan a a roskilla adventure and it's it's really really cool so they they have this like basically pitch a tent for a week well i mean you don't have to go for the week you could buy a day pass pass yeah. yeah pitch a tent and for me i think mentally the thing about doing music festivals in europe is that there's rain, which we don't necessarily factor into our experience. So like, it's going to be a mud fest, typically a mud fest. And for one week, just, you know, roughing beers, it out. yeah, roughing it out, music festivals. It's pretty cool, actually. So you can definitely check that out. Just no, do a Google, check it out. I will definitely, because that's one thing I do miss is live music. Ooh, you know, yes. especially festivals. I used to do Opikopi. Um, here in SA, I did it like seven or eight years in a row until my body just couldn't do it anymore. But I think music and music festivals are, it's like, that's the therapy I think a lot of us have missed the most is just getting lost in, uh, lost in the music. A good party, good party, good vibes. It's a good party, good people, you know. And I think like one of the things that. I enjoyed through lockdown was the music part of it, especially like I started curating like all these little playlists. So you were saying, you know, listen to other people's playlists. If you ever wanted to pop onto Spotify, the coffee and sock sessions, I've got like a whole lot of these different playlists yeah. based on how I was feeling at the time. It was like Nordic ones, uh, the Norwegian right. sessions, Icelandic sessions, the Cuban sessions, alternative sessions. There's an emo one. So like you say, like, you know, all of these things, like how music is such a special part of festival life and so our life. what's on your Nordic list? What artists? It's just a bunch. It's like, I think it actually was the, so my Nordic one was like Anna of the North and Skwa and just the whole Are you pronouncing those right? Yeah, the Skwa, I learned how to pronounce it from the, the Norwegian peeps that I, I did my podcast with uh-huh. uh, Anna of the North. Um, there's another one. I can't remember what her name is now. So it's all the, the rock, indie rock. It's, genre? it's a lot of, yeah. Uh, Sigarus, uh, who I pronounce oh, yeah? Sigaras my whole life. Um, so the, yeah, like exceptional stuff. And, but the Icelandic one, I obviously became very involved in the Icelandic stuff because of the Zac Efron episode because they did Iceland. So I spent the whole time. That was a great playlist. Like Kaleo. I didn't even know Kaleo. Oh, Kale- the yes. Icelandic. Yes. Brilliant. Easy on the eyes. Easy. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you see, so easy. Did you see the, the concert they did? He did like the band did, not him, the band um, did. On the next to the volcano, the volcanic yeah, eruption. Yeah, it, it comes up because of probably geography. So I've seen that. I've seen, yeah. Incredible. So just like all of these different things I learned through music, and I started listening to all of this music, and 
I wanted to get out of yeah, just getting out of the shell of sticking to the things I know. So listening to music that I have no clue of what they're saying. Sometimes, like I watched another amazing documentary called Cuba and the Cameraman, which is on Netflix or it's on Netflix. Please watch it. Okay, cool. Cuba and like. Cuba and the cameraman. So basically about this cameraman that's been going to Cuba, an American journalist, been going to Cuba for 50 years. And he forges this crazy friendship with Fidel Castro. And he goes back every year and he visits like a certain group of people and follows up with them. Like, so how they're doing. It's the most beautiful, most heartbreaking, most insightful, most it's it was incredible so i went through a cuban phase where i started listening to so much like buena vista social club again and i have that cd i have that cd behind me yes what amazing it was was one of the cds that made it into my hand luggage bag when i flew back (laughs) dude it's such a good album it's so beautiful (laughs) it's so so beautiful like it's quite a popular one as well, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super pop. I mean, like, if you think Cuban music and that's where people jump to. So, you know, like, I used music a lot and especially things I didn't understand because I found that when I listened to a lot of the English stuff, I was, like, getting too caught up in the lyrics and a lot of the bands are, like, a very, like, Death Cab is my favorite band. And obviously, I get super emo listening to Death them. Death Cab for Cutie or? That's it, yeah, yeah. Death Cab for Cutie. And then I was like focusing on the words and I'm like, oh, I'm pushing myself into a state. So I found listening to like foreign music that I didn't understand, but I could pick up the feel of it, like the vibe from the production and the feel of the music would send me into like these different states. So music helped without me getting too attached to the lyrical content of it. So. I think where music's been really cool for me, just listening to you speak, is like I, I was in Poland for work and someone someone at the work table was like, okay, South Africa, do you know the Antwort? And and it's just like an immediate way that people connect, right? It's like, yes, I do know the Antwort, <laughs> but not personally, but I know of them, you know? Or or like, oh, do you know goldfish or do you know black coffee? And I think I feel so proud when like when I when I um, hear that these people in these really far off places know South African music. It, I the, feel so happy. Yeah, the Norwegian podcast I did, that was one of the things they know when I mentioned South Africa. They were like, do you know the Unforced? And there was like a festival where these yes. guys were headlining and it's it's lit, it's the craziest thing. Crazy and then here. it took us down this rabbit hole of South African artists like Seether that they didn't even know Seether was a South African artist. And we just Went Many down people don't hole. know Sita is in South Africa. The production quality is pretty, pretty good. No, it's incredible. You know what I mean? Right. And then goldfish are so like, goldfish are on a league of their own. Like if there's ever a concert I can't wait to go to again is like a goldfish one because that is just the most beautiful experience. We had them at Joburg Day like two years ago and it was just the most cathartic most therapeutic experience ever and like you say when you hear people talk about these bands it just number one makes you miss home so much but it makes you so proud that you know south africa has left such a big mark on so many people around the world 
Ah, yeah, yeah, and likewise for all the other countries. If you, you feel it, yeah. Can't wait to come back home, check you out, or you get on a plane and you come here and we go on a nice adventure. Well, chances are you I'm going to be yeah. living in a Scandinavian country. Really? Like, Is that yeah, on your... It's literally... Your it's Google Maps? Life. Yeah, it's literally... Yeah, no, it's literally, if I had to move somewhere, I'll either be some in Europe, I mean, like Eastern Europe, uh, no, not Eastern Europe, Western Europe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, I'm not going to the East. Uh, it's too much it's, crazy shit. Depends how, how East, but East, Eastern Europe's beautiful, depending where, where but yeah. Yeah, cool. it's beautiful, but crazy. So, I mean, like the Netherlands, um, Belgium, I'm about that small town life, just like walking to markets, fresh fruit markets, and just simple history. I'm like a history buff, not a buff. I'm fascinated by history. So castles and just like finding things and archaeology and the, you know, history of mankind and the world we live in, which is why I end up down rabbit holes of watching videos of world war bunkers that are discovered in people's backyards and now they just found this tomb in in ireland this incredible tomb with like an archaeological history that's apparently going to blow our minds um turkey's gobekli tepe um the stuff they're finding there like all of the stuff they're uncovering so and then obviously scandinavia that like if it's not going to be like europe it's definitely going to be like a Scandinavian country like Norway or um, Denmark or in Iceland just for the history but just I think I just appreciate the nature of it all and the beauty of it and Viking culture like I'm so fascinated by Viking history and you know the different gods and uh, it's just yeah man it's just Norse 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 mythology yes um, there's also like something so there's just like it's on the radar I'm trying to convince Alice she hates the cold she's like she yeah that's gonna so be much. a tough swing but yeah. it, there is something called a base layer which is a way of dressing and the layering <laughs> technique which you will learn very quickly when you move here uh, and and good good quality shoes and and I think once you get the the practicals out the way uh, and maybe a, a special lamp called a sad lamp, which helps synthesize natural light so that you don't feel the four o'clock dip, like the, oh, the actual, wow. because the days are seasonal, right? So you, you, you get, you feel length yes, uh, based time. on light. Mm. So I think once you get the practicalities and uh, it's taken me four years, I'm not going to say I'm 100% settled yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, it, it's yeah. time, right? No, of course. It's, it's a process. It's a time your body's adapting to 20 plus years of living in a completely different climate. It's definitely not going to happen overnight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And yeah, hopefully you can convince Alice and then we see you guys soon. Or at least yeah. for a visit or if not, when, you, when I hear that you're moving. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, it's definitely on my bucket list. It's just, it's a matter of just saving up enough money to really fully experience it without feeling the weight of the cost um, of traveling to those countries in particular. So yeah, man, just want to do it, head north, you know, and uh, experience it for myself instead of watching videos of wolves and north life, if you can call it that. Oh, so, okay. Well, we see, we see each other soon, man. Yeah. If not there, then here, but, uh, 
Yeah, man. It's been it's been so good. I've just enjoyed catching up so much. The history this is such a long history, and I think like looking back, we forget when you think back. Like, wow, we know each other since what, like two thousand and two? That's like nineteen years, man. Like it, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah. But what's we nice? We can is- now construct a sentence that says, "Oh, you know what? In the nineties, and then dot dot dot." <laughs> right. <laughs> We literally can, but it's just, it's just a nice, it's nice to, to catch up. Um, I think what was nice is that we haven't really caught up properly actually for years and years. So that's what made this like so special is you've given me insights into things I love catching up to see your growth as a person um, and just see that, you know, to see that, that smile and that little, that calmness on your face and yeah, mm-hmm. just embracing a new experience. And I think that's really oh. great. So, and, and uh, yeah, dude. some great on your books. new adventure. Yeah. When, when you t- touch down in Derbs again, yeah. in your stride. Dude, Perfect. thank you so much um, for taking the time out. Um, it's been great. It's like almost three hours. I can't believe it. It's amazing. But thank, thank you for this. And now Thank let's you. just have some touch faces more like so that we can actually truly connect. I'll send, well, you've got my number now, which is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that's good. And then we chat. We can chat. Cool, human. Enjoy. Thank you so much you for too. your time. Have Thank fun. You. Enjoy dessert. <gasps> yeah, a full on bride, dude. I'm so excited. The sun is, dude. Sun is good. It means. Okay. All right. Cheers. Enjoy. Bye. Bye, everybody. And thanks for listening. Catch you soon.